Ah, we are officially back. Episode 11, the DeQuisto Series podcast. We have a little different format for you here today. Um, we have a different third voice. I'm going to introduce him, Byron Horton. You may know him from Whitetail Experience YouTube page and on social media. Say hi, Byron. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it's, been, been a, it's an exciting uh, spot to be in, being on this podcast with some real killers. So I appreciate you guys having me. Well, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. So um, a little background here. So Byron is our, our, um, our new co-host. Yeah, we're really excited now. Um, if, uh, for those of you who don't know, we have our own platform now, uh, hosting platform. So you can find us now, the DeQuisto Series podcast on Shopify, iTunes, um, you know, all the good spots uh, to go listen to podcasts. So um, that's good news. Uh, we really wanted to try and start getting regular with this content, more, right? More, more consistency. Guys were asking, where are you, where are you at? You know, looking for the next one. And we we're missing a week here, missing a week there. And so we're, we're going to try and get more consistent couple of months you know yeah no I think this will be a good outlet and and you know I, I've worked with you guys now for a couple of years and it just seems like people are thirsty for this information and and so that's that's what we're going to give them that's this is free information and and no better source than talking to you guys you know yeah man I'm excited um so you know down with the episode I'm pretty excited to talk about this topic I did a post earlier on the uh the mobile hunters united and on a side note, you know, thanks for everybody who participates on that page. Uh, you know, our goal with that is to, you know, really just kind of have a, you know, bias-free platform that guys can go and talk mobile hunting, you know, tactics, gear, tips, all that stuff. Cause that, that's what it's all about. And, you know, there's a lot of pages out there that are just so biased and if you're not using this or that. So uh, we appreciate you guys for coming and, and supporting mobile hunters United. And if you haven't been there, go check it out. But, um, Great group of guys. Great group of guys. Yeah, so. yeah. I'd say and, some high high caliber guys. A lot of the addiction guys are on there. Um, I know there's a pretty cool thread the other day just on scrapes and scrape hunting and what has worked for for yeah. uh, a couple different guys. But it, but it was all high level dudes commenting. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick Turley was one. Dan Bayes. So some really good good dudes that's, out there commenting. That's where did you mention that there's a lot of high level guys on there? You know what I like about it? There's a lot of beginning guys coming on there that are just coming out of the gate. And they're, and they're getting information. But, These guys are taking the time to give them some, some tips and talk strategy, you know? Well, that's what's so cool about it. For somebody looking for information, they're, like, it, instantly we had a lot of, like Byron said, high-level sort of players or, or guys just known for being yeah. consistent more than anything in, in harvesting big deer and willing to be open and just kind of share and, and talk and participate. So, I mean, that was the goal. It was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to... You know, Byron, years ago, we didn't give out secrets. We didn't want anybody to know what we knew. We're killing deer. You want to give your neighbor an advantage to, to well, take down the one you're after, you know? It, so It's funny because, like, silent partner. so you look at things, things as simple as that. Like, uh, I was trying to get one of these mics to work for, like, for the podcast. And I'm, like, I'm looking at the instructions. And I'm literally, and I don't know if this is just I, I, me personally, but I'm, I'm messing with the damn thing. And I was spending, like, 30 minutes. And I'm like, let me just go to fucking YouTube. And I went to YouTube and I was like, oh, okay, how to do this on, on, on road. And I realized that that's how a lot of people are coming in hunting right now. And they're going on Facebook. And, and I look back at it and I, and I was talking to a, a buddy of mine and I'm like, you know what? I don't think I've ever looked up how to do something on the internet, you know, or I just, you know, you just like even mechanics, like mm -hmm. I do it all know, the time. 
Well, yeah, but now it's such a, now I'm like, oh, Google it. You know, yeah. so it's cool to have, like, the goal is. But then I see a, a lot of stuff that's wrong, too, so I just. See, yeah, I, right I suppose, you know. You yeah, yeah, the barrier sources. to entry is, is yeah. easier. I, uh, oh, I felt like I, I, I got a late start to the hunting game, and I was tricked by a, a lot of hunting television. And so it wasn't until I got to some of those second-tier sources, um, some of the better forums, oh, in the mid-2000s, that actually had guys that, that weren't killing deer and trying to sell you products. They, they actually right. knew what they were doing, and that's you know, now you have these groups on Facebook that you can get that information a little easier. And so that's why I'm really jacked about that page. Yeah. yeah in general, today's day and age, like the trial and error era is kind of, is fading away because it's, you know, I mean, the information's at your fingertips now. So, um, yeah. but yeah, so getting, to, uh, you know, aside from that, I don't know where we got off on that tangent, but the bump and dump, the, the, the topic that I think, like I said in my post, uh, the what? The, yeah <laughs> never yeah, heard what, of it what, what is that <laughs> just I guess the idea and the concept and the theory and everything encompassing it is just always been somewhat controversial and it's cool like I look at it and I knowing that you know this is kind of dad's thing and he, he did this and he was the first to do it back in the day and the first to publicize it and when it kind of came out everybody's like well, what the, like that no 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 like it, it was just so such a weird such a weird thing so it excites me to be able to talk about it and to break it down. I mean, I, Byron, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you've, well, we've talked about this and, you know, uh, even, yeah, I've never successfully uh, made it happen. I have definitely attempted. Um, you've done a lot of bumping, but no dumping, right? Well, and, and that's a big thing too. And I think, and we'll talk about that because I did a, sh I did a lot of bumping too and not capitalizing. And, and that's where I think I, I kind of tweaked like what, how I'm doing it, where it might differ from the old man to even listeners, man, like, so I think the big misconception is people think it's just that one bump them out of their bed, come right back and kill them in that. This thing is uh, from decades of me being a um, not a real patient hunter, wanting to get down and look around and poke around. And you always talk about, somebody just mentioned something, a question, of, you know, how far is too, too far? You know, you scout, you scout, and, and you're right where you think you're going to be, and all of a sudden you turn around to like slip out of there and you're, you're face to face with a 160 inch buck looking right in the eye better than his bed, you know, and then he busts out of there and you blow it. So I've had decades of experiences getting too close, a little too close. But from doing that, I also noticed that, man, them deer were not leaving their home range. They weren't disappearing on me. It, it just became a game, you know? So, yeah. Um, so so let me back you up there. We, I think we got to define what is a oh, see, bump and dump. I, see, there you go, Byron. Okay. Uh, you're ready. You're ready to get in the point so, because I have, hold on. Oh, okay. I want to, I want to, I want to speak on this because that's where I'm going to call out. Let me see if I can find your name. But one of those first questions that intrigued me was it was, it was a specific on the bed. And I, and I wanted to touch base on this when we talked about, and I, I even have it in my notes here that I don't look at. But I wanted to define the bump and dump because I think so many people get too caught up on the actual bed. Yeah. Like you do not have to kill the deer on his bed for it to be a bump nope, and dump. Absolutely not. Like it, it's about capitalizing on that area. It's about the act. I think. I'll, let me let me think what I and then you then you yeah. come in because you're the inventor. But this is this is how I see it. So I guess it would be the act of. I guess well, it doesn't have to be purposely, but the act of of kicking a deer out of its bed seeing where he was betting and then kept, you know right. going in to kill him in that area um but the bed is not the key player it's it's manipulating that spot and killing him the bump and dump during a rut has nothing to do with the bed now there may yep. be a doe bed in there 
But when you get those times, of, there may be a four day period, you're hunting a pretty hot property and everything just goes dead. So this is the old lockup stage, right? And get your ass down and go poke around that whole property and pretty soon you're gonna bump a whole bunch but, of bucks that ain't gonna run off. Yeah, okay, you're getting, you're getting into tactic for time oh, of year okay. now. I'm talking, so, but if you, if you really sum it down, I guess yeah. I would think, more, it's more so purposely, but the act of purposely jumping a deer out of his jumping bed a deer it. out of it, yeah, like finding yeah. in search of a deer to bump him out of his bed to find out where he's at, where so he then lives, you can yeah. then kill him with a stand set up. So but I want to be clear before we get into the whole thing so people know. So um, I do that to locate where a buck's bedded. But there's also a bump and dump. I'll, I'll literally bump this deer two weeks earlier, and I come back in two weeks later and dump them. So it's not like it's a, always a so one day, next day thing. Like a 24 this could be, hour, 48 yeah, hour. Yeah, this could thing. be two days. You know, this could be before the season you're bumping them, and then you come back and you, yeah. you do the dump. So. And, and, it's, and that's where, so if you think of that, so yes, so if we, if we go back and we, we look at it as its definition, you know, to kick up a deer purposefully most of the time. I mean, sometimes you, I've stumbled on him. I've, I've been just, you know, knowing that like, oh man, I can't figure out where he is. Well, let me just pound the ground some more. And then I stumble on that spot that I was looking for the whole time. And it was sort of an accident, but I still found where he was, kicked him out, even though I wasn't intentionally looking for it. Or let's say you're scouting a piece, not looking for a deer, but just looking at the piece. You can bump a deer and then use that knowledge and go kill him the next day or kill him right then and there. I, I look back a lot of these big deer and a lot of these were, were killed with a bump and dump. The one from Wisconsin was literally, I thought in my mind, I knew that deer was bedded, but for me, I have to have it for sure. Mm -hmm. And I dove into the swamp right where I thought he was being, and I, I busted him right out of there, then just left him alone. And a week and a half later, I killed him. He was still bedded there and I killed him coming out to the crop fields. Uh, so it's a, you know, delayed bump and dump, but I, I knew it for sure that, there, that so, he was laying. So, yep. Yep. And, and then, you know, so I guess, I don't know where to, so segueing from here. So let's get a little bit like, I think you asked earlier about, uh, or off the air, you asked uh, earlier about how that concept came to be. So yeah, it, yeah, most guys do not scout. They think that, you know, you do too much walk around, poking around, you wreck everything. I'm just the opposite. So over the years, uh, and maybe some of you guys have experienced that do a lot of scouting, you know, you'll walk a property and you'll, you'll move through and then all of a sudden you, you, you just jump this big buck. And then weeks later, you're walking a property, doing things, and all of a sudden, you you jump this big buck in the same spot again, or you're taking a crick back in to head to a property, and in the in a curve of that crick, in open hardwoods, you bump this this big huge buck goes running off. You do that three four times, and it's like, well, what the hell's going on here? This buck is here all the time. He can't be pushed out of here. That's where I just started discovering that man, this is not like people. You know, because years ago, it was like that taboo, stay out of the bedding area, don't bump them, they're going to leave your property forever. I started finding out from my own personal experiences and uh, watching coyotes and packs of dogs run properties. I'd watch in Illinois, a piece that I had, a group of coyotes would come through daily, every day on this bedding area I was hunting, I'd watch them blow all the deer out, these big bucks would get shagged out of there, and then literally... 10 minutes, they'd loop right back around and go climb, climb right back into the bed they were on. So, you see, know, it was working for animals and it started working for me. See that, see that segues into what I wanted to talk about too. So you, first you could define bump and dump and then I guess you'd talk about the, and I guess the tactics. Yeah, the, the tactic of bump and dump or just in general of, of bedding deer and people, 
they get so where they get scared and where they the taboo comes from is that they think like you said i don't think if you if you take a step back and you look at it in a reasonable fashion um to what the theory i guess entails is okay so through these scouting missions through these years that you were noticing this it's it, when a deer beds in a spot it's for a reason you know that deer has his plan right so mm -hmm. i mean he gets bumped out the reason he's coming back is because like i guess you know that idea of well, that deer is more secure with that spot than even before because he escaped the potential threat. So what, what better to do than to go to that spot or that spot? That right, but you made a point a while back that made sense, and I never thought about it that way. People think that I'm going to go in and I'm constantly bumping this deer. Once I find where that buck's bedded, now it's totally covert. If I put a stand in there that day, I'm only diving in in morning. You never go back in there for an evening hunt and try and hunt those areas. You just you have a virgin sit every time then. Uh, you know where the deer beds. You're preset. You can slide in there when the moon phase is right and be right on top of these deer when they're climbing into their beds. So it's not like you do it a, a day and then don't take your stand or find the area, leave, come back two days later and set up and sit. But, you know what I mean? You, you, you don't want to over harass it. So. Yeah, and that's the thing. People, well, mm. you can, and that's where I think there's such a misconception because then it's like, oh, okay, well, I can bump the deer. Well, then people start bumping the shit out of deer and deer won't take that so much. Like you just mentioned three times. Like, I think that's even, you know, if you consistently just keep badgering a deer and keep, he's eventually just gonna be like, oh, well, fuck this. I'm not going back to that spot. Right. I've I seen, mean, I've seen a couple though that I've actually on purpose. Well, Jack and, and I could not believe the shit we'll they would get, put up with, you know. And we'll so. get back to that. But I also think that's temperament and time of year because yeah, yeah, those be. deer are getting squirrely and, and they're territorial and they got testosterone flowing like, it's not a deer thinking logically, just thinking food, bed, life, survive. Like, you know, early season, I think. But it's here's a lot the thing, different. you know, your average guy is going to hear this, and he's not going to have the experience with it. So it's, and, it's and tough that's where to get I, in your head that this stuff works. So well, yeah, and that's where I like to go into. Like when I, I always heard of bump and dump. Like mm. I don't think I was ever really like you would like say it to me, but not really be like, oh, yeah, that's my cocky attitude. Yeah, you know? exactly. So I guess I was always thinking like, too, like, oh, okay, well, like fucking, yeah, I got to do the bumping dump, like whatever, like I got to do that. And I would fuck up constantly. I would like, he'd bump them and I'd dump them. No, I, this is different <laughs> yeah, hunting, different properties. Uh, so, so let me back your dad up. Obviously, like this, this, this bumping of deer, this came from, from scouting, I got to believe. And I got to believe this came yep. from infield scouting. Um, what why like in your whitetail career was that something that you saw being more successful so the more you scouted the better your hunts were and i gotta think that the first time you tried this bump and dump you know you were doing some scouting and you bumped him off a few you know maybe the same yeah this this wasn't a, a yeah this wasn't a um a logical thought to do this on purpose this is from constantly scouting and bumping and jumping deer and you're when you're gonna walk over property you're gonna kick a lot of deer up and then when you start being able to, I'm real perceptive on anything I do. So I, I read sign that way. I, when an occurrence happens, you know, you just, a deer ran off. And it's like, why did he run off? I was just telling a guy about the, a, a property that uh, they're hunting now. As I can tell you the tree in there, that if any deer in an entire property is kicked, pushed, or, or um, um, really volatilely um, gun season on, Every deer on that property will cross between a 50-yard swatch in that thing, going from point A to point B to C to D, whatever it is. Uh, and that comes from experience of, of reading that sign and watching what happens when it does. And, and the same with a deer. You keep bumping a deer off the same spot, are you gonna, 
all of a sudden you can say, you know what? I think I better hunt over here. This is the third time the same big buck has jumped out of here. He's not wanting to leave, you know? So well, well take us to range. that day. Take us to that, that, that first time you're out scouting and you said, you know what? I just kicked up a good one here. I'm, I'm going to hunt it. You know, I, I know this is not the norm, but like what, what went through your head? What, what kind of hunting thought process was like, okay, I just seen him run over this hill. I'm going to set up in here and try and kill him. Like what was going through your head? What did that setup look like? So now I know where the deer is bedded uh, on a specific. And here's another thing people don't realize that when you're, you're conscious of this, when you jump a deer off a certain area, take note of what the wind direction was that day and why he's, he might not be there half the week. The wind direction might be different. He might situate on a different mound or a different hill. But where this came from more was, I am so attuned to hunting on red hot sign that you're going to end up pushing that envelope to be that close and that intimate with a deer. You're going to bump some deer. You're going to get, you're going to be so close to them. Uh, I don't know how many guys are out there that do it, but I, a lot of times when I get down in the morning, there's always deer bedded within 50 yards of me. And when I'm hunting a lot of evening posts, I'm watching literally deer get up out of their beds within 100 yards of my stand and moving on out. So, um, when, the, when was the, the first bump and dump attempt? Like, when, when were you in Wisconsin still, the Big Woods North, or had you moved down south? When was oh, the first I don't day you're like, I'm it's going? It's been so it. long. There's so many occurrences that it's. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I mean, literally, if I start, I just sit and I look at some of these deer on the wall and they all kind of had uh, a little bit to do with that. Not the same day. It might've been a week later or, um, yeah, like I said, just constantly scouting, uh, kicking a deer up out of that. Most of the time walking in and having the same buck on the same hillside, you know, three times in a row, uh, that's three bumps. And then you dive in there and you hunt them and you could either, uh, get an opportunity on them, pass them up or kill them. So, um. It's, Cody, been, it's what, been going on for a lot of years. So, what about you? Like, do you remember hearing about the tactic, kind of understanding it enough to say, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm going to apply this method. And, and maybe how did that first attempt go? Are you asking me or him? Cody. Oh, I was going to say, because, uh, yeah, the, nobody was doing any bump and dump when I got the. But, you, you know, you had talked earlier no. in this podcast, you, you, you've had a lot of bump and dump either fails or things you've learned where maybe the encounter didn't go your way. Do you, do you have any no, sort of like, growing it, it pain took, type memories of this thing yes no it, it took me from knowing about it at a young age but i don't think ever really asking about it like i never once said hey how do i do the bump and dump how do i do this because mm -hmm. i'm i'm too stubborn for that i wouldn't do that so mm -hmm. i just started and i thought it was all about the bed and just like i oh, think oh. everybody else thinks it's about i was like i gotta find where he's bedded and the mission is to kill him right on that bed like that's what that was my fucking thing for like three years i was like and, I, and I, I'd connect before so, and I, at that point in time, I was, I, I'm not too proud to say, like, the first nice buck that walked by me was done. Like, that, that's just, my, that was my mentality back then. Mm -hmm. And even though I found a buck, like, I wasn't Mr. Like, okay, it's got to be this one. Like, I wasn't about that at that point in time. It was like, if it's 160, it's dying. Like, that's, that's where my head was at. But I really wanted to bump and dump. And I had multiple tags, and I had multiple states, and, and, and I, I just was, like, hard on to it. So, with that was like, I was constantly trying to, and I was obsessed with specifically doing it. Like I wanted the wind in my nose and I wanted to sneak up on this sucker and I wanted to push him, like literally like scare him out of the bed. And I wanted to toss the stand up and I wanted him to come back like 15 minutes later and I wanted to kill him. Just like I, that's how I envisioned all the stories when dad would brag about all these kills and shit. Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted. Like, that's what I was going for. And I, I, I found out in the course of the first year and then like, and this was a couple of years. 
I was going about it all wrong. Like you can do, I mean, as far as capitalizing on it and I wasn't manipulating these areas properly because I was too obsessed with the bed. It was like, I'd find these deer, I'd kick them up and then I'd set up there and I wouldn't be in an invincible spot because I was obsessed about the bed. And I also started to not like, I would never, now I never sit there. I mean, other than like a rut situation, I developed this thought of like, okay, I, I think I'm going to kick that deer up. Like when it started working for me, yeah. when I finally, when I finally killed the first buck off of that. And I did, I, I, I mean, I scouted same thing I wanted to do wind in my nose and I actually pushed him off the bed and I was like, okay, it's all working. And, and this has happened several times. And then I'd set up, he'd come and he'd bust me or I'd set up, he'd come and I wouldn't get a shot and the spot would burn out and then the rut would kick in and he'd leave. And then this time it finally worked out. I remember sitting there and I was so obsessed with shooting that bed, but then I started thinking about it logically. I'm like, okay, well, I don't need to shoot that bed. Like this is the only main trail coming into this little area. Like I'll just back the hell up, sit on that trail and sure as shit, I backed up, sat on that trail and I killed him at 715. And, okay. it, and, and that right there was a strategic purpose, bump and dump, went out on the property looking for him, but I didn't kill him over his bed that time because I couldn't like the situation didn't allow it. And I think another reason, you know, so I think the two things that were messing me up early were being too close to the spot that I find. And then the second thing would be jumping in there right away. Like I, I've just so many times I burnt it out, like doing that. And then I, I might kick them up twice. Like they wouldn't fully commit or something. But I personally think 99% of the times you do that, that deer has like a B pattern and he's going to go off and do what he's going to do. But the next morning is definitely the best spot. So I just if, stopped. If the wind, so like I talked about the wind, if, so if you, you jump something off of a, it, its bedding area or its, its actual bed, and that wind is going to be the same it was the day before, perfect scenario will be right back in there. Um, so, you know, if you're going you're gonna to start messing around with this stuff, you're going to look for a, a pattern that's going to be a, a couple of steady days of your um, northwesterly wind, find that bed, and then you'll be on there. Don't, don't scout on that day. And then, you know, uh, the news is telling you it's going to be a total opposite wind the next day. That dead buck is probably not going to come back to that bed because it's not going to be right for that wind. If you notice that tuning fork buck, that buck had a, a mound it was bedding on and there was beds positioned every way. That was a premium spot because that deer would bed there on multiple wind directions. And, it's the gold, you know, yep. it's the, the gold, yeah. The, and, and I was going to jump in too and say that same thing, like you said with the tuning fork buck, there's also different types of, of bedding areas that you'll find. Like a bedding, the buck that he killed that, I mean, I got, it was bedding in a, in a, well, not the tuning fork buck. I'm oh. just, I'm talking about that big one this year. Um, and you'll see it probably in his episode. Um, but like, a lot the majority of the time early season that deer was bedding in an alfalfa strip in the middle of, yeah, of corn yeah you had that pinned down out out in the in the open fields like in the open uh in alfalfa like and i mean a lot so but what he's get like what you're getting with the tuning for a buck i think is that there's there's bedding areas that you can tell like oh my god okay this is a like he's here all the time right. it's tore up like he's got beds for different wind directions so you and bump then, a, if you bump a deer so there's a perfect couple spots here um You'll have a, a trail going up into a buck's bed, and the back of it is just thick, nasty. It's a one-direction bed. I'm coming in here, and I'm going out there. Now, if something comes and gets me trapped here, a couple of bounds out the back and through the thick shit, and the buck's gone. So that deer is not leaving 
90% of his time out back through that thick stuff. That's his escape route. That deer is going in and out of that one spot. Now you, you bump a deer out of a situation like that. You look at that bed and it's like, I don't have to be right here. I could be like you said, I could be on the trail or funnel coming to, and he's coming in and out just one direction to that. And it's a, a, a surgically removed man, just, you know, well, set up in set up accordingly. And I always listen to you say that too. And I think that's one of the most awesome quotes there is, is like the surgically removing, like, like, okay, like you're, you're looking at it so granular, like, okay, you're trying to be precise. Right. And, and that's where like, I went from no success to success every single year hunting, like bedding areas is like details to the setup, like everything, it, like that's when I started really taking it to the next level as far as trying to manipulate that spot specifically and knowing, and that's the thing too, though, when you find these spots, you have to know how to tell too. Also, like he said, that was a You're, one direction. Yeah. And if you know, you have to take that spot for what it is. Every situation changes. He might be coming. There might be a bunch of trails that he's coming in and out of, or, or, or. They're like, always swing down usually and then come in with the uh, winter and also whatever the direction is there, you got to, you got to set up accordingly. Uh, but what about the tamarack swamps you used to hunt? All the same cattails, marsh swamp mess. And you got a buck that's bedding in on a little couple spots on a tree there. That deer could enter that spot. Uh, I always say it's the spokes of a wheel. The closer you can get to that hub, the better chance you have. I mean, it's just a numerical chance of getting something. The further out you get, yeah. the chances just go to, to, to hell that you ain't ever going to tie into that deer. So you want to get as close to that bed as you can. But that, that deer might come in from a 50-yard swatch, not a trail, just a big movement. Um, and Would years you... ago, I used to find those spots by, uh, I was just telling uh, uh, Justin about this, I would literally go in these swamps on purpose. Uh, these are bucks that would get to their beds at sunup. And on the quietest day I could, and I would just sit in there and I would listen. And you could hear those heading through, average size deer, and you know Mr. Big would come slopping through that swamp. And I literally just listen. And where it stopped, I would identify a tree. And I would know that that would be the spot I'd have to get to the next day and set up, and I'm in the game. Otherwise, there's no trails. There's no tracks. It's all water knee high. You ain't, you're not going to figure that out by just uh, – um, wandering around there aimlessly and, and, um, so, so it sounds like, um, and I don't have a lot of swamp hunting type experience, but you, the, the, the key to, to doing the, oh, any sort of bed hunting there is, is you don't have some of the, the J hook stuff that you get in farm country and hill country. Andre, did you, did you do some bump and dump in your big wood stuff in Northern Wisconsin or, or Cody? Have you ever hunted say more of a, oh, big timber, big hills, stuff like that, that, that it's, it's effective, you know, at, at all those different kind of, so I started out in the, uh, um, like the Nicolay National Forest up in Upper Wisconsin, big, big country, big open hardwoods. And uh, deer would move through, trickle through big swatches, funnel on down to um, where swamps would come in through. But it was really tough to get a lot of concentration. So what I used to do to scout there is if I wanted to find a spot to hunt at 9 o'clock in the morning, I would still hunt all morning and all of a sudden I would run into deer at let's say nine o'clock in this area and I'd bump a bunch of deer out of there okay the next day I'd be set up on that spot and like clockwork at nine o'clock those deer would be moving through again and I'd run into them now if I want to find a spot early I start still hunting earlier and I start running into deer in those open hardwoods you pick that spot if you want to find an evening spot same thing it was so spread out that 
Uh, you either did some good glassing and made your move, or it was kind of a bump and dump for me. I would literally go till I started bumping deer, set up there, and I'm telling you, like clockwork, the next day, those deer that were moving through them open hardwoods are moving through the same swatch again, and you're, you're in the game, and you're, you're constantly on deer. The hotter the sign, or, you know. Yeah, that, um, I think that's like, everywhere. I, I call that like nomadic hunting. Like you're really trying to like, you're moving around with the deer or you're finding them, but I think those giant tracks of land I mean, although I, I don't hunt a lot. But of those, those deer go through them. You know, like I said, there's no trails there because it's all, they're, they're, they're browsers. It's open hardwoods and it's. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, in, in a spot where you have thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, like it becomes about finding deer population. Right. Not, not, I mean, you got to find where the deer are. You have to, I think like there's so much ground, you know? So, and if you're not Especially moving. early, you know, when everything's. Uh, yeah. So, so let's get back to the bump and dump. And, and okay. Cody, you had talked on this as far as uh, one of your biggest learning points was was not necessarily hunting the bed, but 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 catching him on that route to the bed. And if you look through the comments on Facebook, oh, I would say a third of them or 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 whatever are asking about the J hook, and, and you know, are bucks always J hooking? How do I set up on the J hook? Could you guys talk a little bit more about oh that factor uh, of setting up on these bump and dumps? Well, like you said too, like with the, like, that was a good, uh, analogy, like with the spoke and yeah, like, you, you know, I mean, when you find that spot, like that is your hub, right? Like, and, and you do want to get on that. And that was like, what you, you got to be on the right side of that J or you're, yeah. or you're done. So, yeah, but I'm, um, well, as far as like you said, like sticking to the bed though, like where, yeah, that, it was, yeah, that's a, on a bed specifically, but again, there's so many different types of uh, bumps and dump, but you're talking specifically about the bed where a deer's looping back in. So the whole bump and dump concept is to locate the deer where it's at and then to start hunting. And then you just take your tools, your stand, and you manipulate that spot. So um, when you, you say know, manipulate, you, talk to me about that. Is that tree to tree or you purposely? Well, you can't, you can't just go on a deer's bed and then you're going to get uh, basically just, you know, downwind of it. And hope that it, if that thing loops in the wrong way, you're screwed. That uh, many of them deer will loop, and they'll loop even wide just to try and cover the whole area, make sure it's safe. And I'm a lot of times I am on like the sliver. And if you went too close, he's he bugs out. He's got you. And if you go too far, you don't get your shot. Uh, you're not close enough to get the kill done. So it's uh, you know it comes with experience. The more you hunt it, the more you screw up. The uh, the more you learn. So. Okay. But do you, I guess, is it a myth? And I don't know this cause I haven't tried enough, but like, do all bucks J hook or do sometimes they just, they go in there willy nilly or is that? Oh no, it- no. So years ago, the big, uh, uh I'm going to give a, a different example of it, but uh, when you hunt over scrapes, uh, you got to be downwind of the scrape, downwind of the scrape. That's where all the deer come and they send check it. Okay. So, uh, I'm downwind of the scrape, right? And I watch these bucks come flying in from freaking total opposite direction, work the scrape and leave without being able to shoot them. If you're hunting a scrape, you better be able to shoot that scrape. And if you're hunting a bed, you better be able to get, get it done. Or you're going to, well, look at that big, uh, one of the biggest yeah. bucks I got there. I mean, I was five yards off of killing that thing. And I had a, yeah. I had to change up. I get, I get what you're saying. I think it's a different, <laughs> different point, right? You're talking, you're talking, you're, you're talking, be- you're talking J hook coming into a bedding area. Yeah. And yep. you're talking about shooting a scrape. Well, no, I was giving a, an analogy that uh, uh, you think that you're going to be able to um, uh, just hunt downwind of it or get downwind. You still got to be able to get that arrow in that, that deer. That deer could get into that so, bed. Yeah, but uh, without sim- you getting an arrow in it. Simply, you know? I would answer that question. I would say absolutely not because I think that is the 
that is what a lot of deer do. But I have, I have actually killed deer. I have actually, that one was on film, I believe. He didn't do some crazy big J hook. He came in with the wind in his nose and in a straight line. And I was playing the edge of, of a, uh, um, of a hedge thicket and a field and a big, nice drop off that I knew I was clear as day. So, so I got up in that. Yeah. You're, but, but he wasn't going to go. I knew no. that deer wasn't going to go down in J hook just he's, to get. He's missing the point here. The J hook is okay. So where are J hooks going to come in? If a deer's already downwind, he's coming in. A, a deer leaves. He, he enters his bed with leaving his, his points of uh, vulnerability together, okay? He's got a track that he's going to leave behind that an animal couldn't follow, and he's got his scent of his physical body he's going to leave behind. So there's our two, two points of, uh, um, that a predator can take advantage of a deer. Where the J-hook comes in, if a deer's – not all deer are coming from just downwind to a bed. If he could be coming from this total opposite way, but when he enters that bed, he wants to leave a, tra uh, a trail, loop around, where literally he can watch anything following his tracks and bug the hell out of there before it gets to him. So now he's going to loop into wind. Now that the animal's going to come around, they're going to be coming up, and you can spot them coming, and then he just bugs the hell out of there. He's just uh, he's, he's playing a game, you know. Otherwise, he'd shit you. You left your trail the other way, and you're facing the other way. A coyote come up right up behind you, you wouldn't even know the damn thing was there. You wouldn't be able to smell it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I guess the biggest learning point that, that me as a guy trying to evolve there picks up is uh, th those bucks leave those J hooks within probably visual sight. You know, like you said, they, they're, they're trying to pick up on that coyote that's following their track in there. And, and so being within visual distance of where you believe embedded, okay, I've, I've kind of put that in my playbook here. That, that's good information. Um, should we kind of walk through kind of the some of the basics to setting up a bump and dump, how you guys go about the scout, uh, whether it's an intentional bump versus kind of a, a bump by scouting accidentally, um, what your guys' Okay, that's one way. Say. So we can, we can cover it by season. Yeah, that's – yeah, let's, We can let's cover it by uh, – Yeah. Um, so let's say a new property, never been on it before. Uh, I'm going to run down there two weeks before I'm on a hundred opening and I'm going to just run the piss out of it. I'm going to kick up every deer I can figure out where everything's bedded, where the majority is already. Now I did my bumping. I have my knowledge. I can set up some stands, but when I come back, I don't have to learn it while I'm hunting. I already know that this is a bedding area. This is where I jumped a nice buck. It's all, that's your bump. And now you're coming back down to dump. Now, when you're, when you're scouting, do you have a, a, a technique as far as always keeping that wind in your face or you, you, do you prefer to do it on, on a windier day, uh, mornings, evenings, let those deer get bedded? Talk to me a little bit about that initial. So if you, if you keep the wind too much in your face, a whitetail's going to smell you before you get there and he's going to bug out. You might not even know he's bedded there. So I like to do more of a crosswind uh, where you're, you're running crosswind. And then when you bump those deer, they don't have the, uh, uh, the advantage of smelling you. And, dude, I'm telling you, I can just about crawl up on some of these deer and they ain't even got a clue because you're coming sideways on them. They're they got the wind from their back trying to get uh, predation. Uh, they're looking back on their trail, and then you come in, uh, come in size and you, and you bump them. Now you see what you're looking at. A lot of times these deer are bugging out on you way before you even get there because they smell you, and you're not even, uh, you're not even in the game there. You're not even know that you bump something. So, See, that's where I, I, I don't – I personally don't like to get there that early. Um, I don't want to start – and I've told you this, Blair, I don't want to start messing around with shit until I can kill something and capitalize on it. The last thing I'd want to do is go there two weeks early 
kick up a 200 inch, you know, just gnarly giant and like have to just sit there and be like, Oh shit. And then I interrupted him. And then I mean, I don't know. Did he, was he okay with it? Oh, did he leave? Two weeks, two weeks away from it. I, that but, deer but is I a also, million. You even, you even remember what yeah, the hell happened. Well, two, exactly. Two ago, yeah. But a lot of different shit's going to be going on two weeks later. Yeah. The beans could not be green anymore. Shit that they're eating could not be. So I'd like to get, I'd like to go there the day before. Well, this isn't about this isn't about a property and knowing that you're going to kill. This yeah, is about learning a new property right away and finding no, out where a deer bed. That's what I'm talking about. So I don't like, want to know that during so the season. I want to know and that. That's where, and that's where your difference in scouting here comes into play. Like, so it's different if you're just walking a property to learn the property because because you, you don't know it. To me, it is at least, and it's different if I'm trying to find a deer where he's bedded. I'll go walk a property just to find bedding areas and randomly, but I, like you know to to to, to learn the land versus like to actually then okay once i know what's going on and then go deeper and try and try and kill a deer because to be honest with you if i'm hunting a new property i'm not obsessed with finding out where a deer's bedded right off the bat because i think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit too i've went to properties and just poked around the edges didn't really disturb anything snuck in and killed one and left without having to go fucking trample around especially early too i mean you got guys are so gun ho and eager and like the woods are full i mean I don't know, but that, so that would a, be a plus I'm getting them both. Getting there I'm getting earlier. them both at one time. So I've got a new property. I've never hunted. I'm get good chance to go. I'm going to go scout. I'm going to go figure out where deer are bedded. And then when I come back for op- opener, I'm in the game hunting already instead of burning up a week and a half learning all that stuff. So I'm in the game right away. Then when I get down and I'm hunting, I'm still doing my poking around. But at least I'm in it. I'm in it uh, pretty quick. So let's take to the next step then. Then you start getting into uh, you know October a little touchier. Uh, deal where you're you're trying to find a deer where he's bedded in hunting those seem to be even though it's a touchier time uh it seems to be a more uh one you can capitalize more on this would be about the bed finding exactly where that deer is bedding um and then manipulating and hunting it uh then you move on to the rut this is one i really like and guys don't even realize this is everybody misses the boat when a doe goes in the heat every buck on the property is on her and the whole property could go dry. Someone's got the mother load, somebody's in the right ravine, or somebody's in the right spot that's got all the action. If you sit there and just wait it out, you're burning up four good days of hunting without getting any action. But if you got down and went and did a little bumping and dumping, uh, you can scout around. All of a sudden, you go up a draw, you jump a bunch of bucks that are standing around, nothing's running away from you, you hit the mother load. There's a doing heat in there, all the bucks are on top for. You set up right in that ravine, and I'll guarantee you, you, you hang on to your hat because you'll have the uh, uh, the show of a lifetime. Okay, let me uh, let me back you guys up on on some of this scouting that's going on for for the October half, and even that opener, the scenario you just laid out there, Cody, where you you start on the piece the day the season opens. When you guys are scouting, um, you, you know I think there's an important aspect to covering ground that's just a waste of your time moving very fast. But let's talk about like when you're getting into these bedding areas, do you start slowing down? What kind of sign do you guys oh, start picking up on? Because you've never been to the, the scenario ground that we just talked about. Like what, what does your process look like so you get that visual when you bump that deer? Because I got to think that's the biggest key to, to doing this successfully is visually seeing a, a cage that you're no. after. Nope. No. Okay, that's good. Good. What, talk to me, Cody. I've, I've, I've killed a deer that I bumped out and I just heard him crash. And I knew like, Oh, that was a big freaking deer. You saw the antlers just like, banging on. Like you could just hear like, you know, and you can tell anybody who's heard 
like a doe run through the timber, like just yeah. like on an exit route and or, a, in a 300 pound body or a, just yeah. a big. Or a 120 inch set of antlers hitting pines and then hit, yeah, listen yeah. to 170 just a different, inch. You know? A different noise. So definitely, yeah. I, I, just having your wits about you. And, and honestly, like I've, I've went into bedding areas and, you know, just, I never seen any deer See, and you would literally go in there and you could smell though, that there was just a buck there. Like you could literally smell it. And I'm like, man, he had to be here. Like just at least yeah. this morning, like, and he probably seen me before I seen him and which is fine, but I still found that spot and See, that but, deer wasn't a deer I wanted to shoot, but he came in. That would have been an awesome bump and dump. So but here's, I'm not out looking for bedding areas. I know of a bunch of bedding areas and find it. I'm looking for the specific animal I want to kill. So in that, that might not be in that major bedding area. And I laugh about guys, if you've seen where some of these big bucks bed, you wouldn't, even after seeing it, you can't believe that sometimes they're there. And the only way to find that is to visually see the son of a bitch in it, as far as I'm concerned. And now you know for a fact. That's if you believe your own eyes. Some guys don't. Yeah. Not so, it's just a fluke, well, you know? So. And Cody, I, I called you last year. I was on a scouting mission. And like I said, I, I have never successfully done the bump and dump. I do. I, I'm working on my in-season scouting game is a big part of my area of improvement. And I jumped two solo deer and I, I, I never got a visual CRP grass, tried to run after one of them to, 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 to see a cage. And I, I called you on the way home and I was like, dude, I, I can't tell. I didn't have any buck sign. There was no rubs. There was no bigger tracks. Like I was like, you know, I could have just bumped a doe or a hundred inch deer, I guess. Are, are, are you guys looking for rubs and some of these other telltale signs that a potential good one was in there when you, if you don't catch that visual? There's, there's not always rubs. It's a bedding area is not always tore up. I mean, size of so, bed is, is, yeah, is what a good is indication. But well, are you asking how to identify like if there was a big buck in there? Or? Yeah, just some of those, those clues. Um, uh, Cody, I remember you told me that, and I thought that was worth bringing up on the podcast that not always, they're not always shredded because I think, uh, I, I consider myself in that class of guys that is is looking at guys that are on the next level and like you know finding you, these these buck bedding areas. One of the key indicators is is shredded trees of, you, of kind of bigger caliber rubs. You're looking for that like holy grail just no, tore well, up. That's pretty stuff. obvious that that's that there's yeah, going in there then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then well, yeah. I mean that's what gets you know me. what's the what's the what's the best thing? I'm telling you, Byron. When you go jump a deer and you see a 180 inch buck at about freaking 40 yards from you you know, you're freaking on the game and you just, you, you hit the mother load. So, um, well, I think what's, yeah, what's your, what he's asking is like, he's, um, a lot of guys are out just aimlessly running around. They don't have well, a clue. What's going I know, on. but it, he says like, like in a situation where you don't get the visual, if there's no rubs and scrapes around, does that mean it wasn't a buck? And I'm saying, no, I'm like, it's right. Yeah, so so are you, at that point you're looking at the size of the bed so, and, and trying I mean, to like, catch a good track. So you jump one that you don't know it's a buck. Yeah, that's what he said. Well, yeah, like he said, it's not, you know, the sound of a door running through the woods is freaking. Uh... And, and you might have had your, maybe you more even thinking about it and whatever, but I think like going back to the original where this question started is on that new piece. That was just, I, I'm a, just a new piece. Well, no, I'm, I'm just trying to like, no, you said you, you talked about like the next step or, or just scouting in general for beds. Yeah. I think majorly yeah. I'm just looking for deer in general. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if, on these big pieces, if you find the deer, if you find where the deer are at, that's a good place to start hunting. Hunting. I mean, oh. you don't want to hunt where there's no sign where you haven't seen any deer and you have not, like, why the hell would you even hunt there? So mm. I think it's important that you do get on the deer and find the deer. Um, if but there's you times a of year then that uh, where all the deer are at, the big bucks ain't at. So, um, you know, once that transfers into that, when they start getting a little more social and looking for doles and heading in there, 
uh, then it's the time to be in those type of betting areas. But uh, I'm talking about what I do specifically has got to do with, a, you know, a big animal, finding out where he's bedded and hunting him there. Uh, I don't care about tons of other bucks, tons of other does. I need, if I'm hunting a specific animal, I have to know. And the only way I've ever have known where a big deer is bedding is to visually see him come busting out of that bed. And that's a, and you got two different scenarios. If you're hunting a deer and you know there's a deer there you want to hunt and you're going to look for him, that's a different scenario yeah. versus if you're just trying to kill a good deer. Like, I mean, I would say those are two different things. Yeah. I mean, you can, well, you, and, you can go search and just, as soon as you see that good one. But here's, the, the, here's good the thing one. that's great on that. Once you, once you find that spot, that spot is golden for years to come. Now, unless they do some logging or some major changes up. It's, in my experience, that deer's dead and gone. The next big bull that's in the area is usually fucking the same haunt. It's, it's, it was a good spot. Uh, it's the best spot and then bigger mature deer are, are on it year to year. So now you don't have to go bump them anymore. Now I got spots. I got stands in there. I don't. I don't ever go in anymore because I've already got it manipulated. You know. And we've yeah. talked about that. We've talked about just good spots in general, due for a piece of property. But I don't think that one bedding area means that there's always going to be a buck there. Like it's not a, a, a no. For but sure. But that thing. spot that that deer was that you found that located that big buck is bedding on, that's a good area for the next big one that's in there. He'll he'll be usually in that same spot. So. Let's go to the next one. Okay, we're, we, we, we stopped at the rut. Now let's go to late season bump and dump. Set up a stand in a major bedding area where now these deer are kind of back together social. It's about food and about bedding. Uh, have them stands in there, and you literally go in there, crash in there, get in there quick, get up in them stands. You might jump or bump one or two does. That just gets the whole group of bucks, does, everything just blown out of there, right? Everything got spooked. Only two of those deer really seeing what the hell happened, seeing a person in there, get in that stand and sit tight, and you will shit. Within 20 minutes, the whole entire herd loops back around, looking around. They don't know what the hell this deal was. And I've had so many incidents that could have shot so damn many good bucks by just, uh, they just got spooked for a second. They didn't know what happened, and they come right back into that bedding area. And, and you know, if you're positioned right in your stand, it's like taking candy from a baby. Now. Now, Andre, now with that bump, you had mentioned you like that crosswind. If you're bumping these these deer, they're they're running because of sound or visual. No, this is a, this is a, you're blowing them out of their bedding area on purpose. Right, but right. what if they what if they catch your scent? What if the buck catches your scent? Is that a totally different game than versus more of a visual bump or just a noise? Well, if you bump? head in with the wind in your direction, there's probably going to be a couple that are going to visually get you. Yeah, and everything busts out of there with the uh, wind in her nose, and you get in your stand. It's uh, very seldom you get uh, you get winded. The more you get spotted visually than you do winded. And and that's just not as as big of a no no in the whitetail woods. Like them seeing you, not a huge issue, right? You go down it. You're gonna be hunting a property in Illinois this year, late season. Go run around those uh, honey locust and bump a big buck off it, and set your stand up and get your tag out and slit the slit the tag already. <laughs> Because <laughs> they're going to turn right around and they're going to be right back on that spot within what is that? 20 minutes. I'm telling them. Yeah, you I don't even know what has to do with that question. Like, what? That didn't even make any sense. Co Cody, talk to me a little bit. Um, oh, on bumping. No, these I think things. it's different. I, I think I think when you like getting smelled and getting seen, and I think that's more for like in a stand. Like I've noticed that if if a deer gets like that wind, smells you, and then cracks you too, like it's like fuck, it's a whole different ball game. But I on the ground though, I don't think like. Yeah, what does that have to do with the question he asked about me going on? He said, area? is it different? 
You said, yeah, is it different? Is it different? Like, he if said, I'm would scouting... you rather have him see you or smell you? Oh, for sure. See, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, because then think about this: if your wind does get hairy or whatever, if you're if you're playing that line, like, if they got your scent and that you just kicked them up before, they're gonna know right off the bat. Like, and that might still be one one or two deer. What about the other twenty five that well, are in that flat? But bed? now you're talking about aggressively hunting a big populated bedding area. That's what I said. Late season. I, that's that, what I do. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like all these, all, it, what 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 I think everywhere I'm getting confused here and where. You're going back, and I'm going here, and you're talking no, about but, crosswinds. No, but, but both the, – These there's are still good information the entire, coming. But it changes throughout the entire year. Right, but what, the, this whole conversation was about bump and dump. When I want what to I want to get to the point is that this is not, like you said, just about bumping a deer on his bed. That's one bump and dump. There's a whole bunch of other bumps and dumps. And I just, I just took you to a scenario from early season to mid-season to rut to late season, all yeah. different bump and dumps, dude. And what's happening – is a question's being asked about the bump and dump in October, and you're answering it like it's in uh, late season, a, a heavy uh, populated bedding area. That's what I'm saying. So we just rephrase your question for the October one. What was that? Yeah, about? yeah. yeah my, my, oh, I think I think it would do well too, as far as um, oh, for the audience, for the people listening. We talked about all these bumps, and you, we bounced between October, early season, now late season, but like the setup, the, the dumping aspect of things. Um, I don't think we've gone over any sort of details. You, early we talked about, okay, making sure we've got consistent wins for that next, you know, that next time in. But mm -hmm. um, talk to me a little bit about, okay, one, you, you've bumped this deer out, whether you've seen him or, or you, you know, you've realized this is the target area you're going to manipulate. This October or is it, when is it? What is the, let's, the situation? Yeah, yeah. Let's, a bed. Let's, so we let's just start, bumped the deer out of a bed. Yeah. Let's start. Okay, we're hunting that buck. Days. Now it's a, a buck we want. We want to come back and kill it. Yep. Okay. Talk to me about your setup. I would suggest never leaving and coming back the next day and going after that deer. Now, if you 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 did your damage, get your stand set up that morning, and if you're coming back the very next morning, you're going to hunt them. If the wind is not right that morning, you can come back two days later when the wind is the same way it was, but you're already preset. You're not going to go back in there and bump them again and set up a stand later. You get, you got to hunt that thing while it's hot, do your damage and then get out. And then you just slide in uh, before sunlight and get, get in your stand. Does that make any Cody, sense? Cody, what, what, talk to me about your, your setups for, for let's say the first 15 of, uh, days of October, you've bumped the deer out of a, out of a bedding area. He's of the See, caliber you're after. What, what is going through your mind when you're well, setting that stand, when you're setting that trap? Most of those deer, like I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not concerned with the direction of the wind and where the deer was bedded for the most part, unless I feel like it is just like a sporadic bed. But most of the deer that I've killed on the beds have been early, like first couple days of October, first 15. And I feel like they were more, now I made this, this, this decision when I got to them, but those were more just primary areas like that deer. And so what I do instantly when I find that spot is I look at my phone and I see what the wind's going to be the next morning. And then I'll try and hunt that buck that evening on a hold. I'll do a big loop around and get on the nearest food source and in the direction he ran and where I kicked him. But I'm pretty confident in my mind that that deer is not going to come back to that spot that evening. I'll do what I want with it. And then I'll get there early for the next morning, but I'm just wanting to but make there's a sure. bedding area, not a bed. He's talking about. Yes. This is a bedding area. This is, or yes, not a, not a single solitary bed, maybe a couple different beds. Yeah. Um, or like, yeah, no, I, no, no, I'm just going to say that if you're hunting a specific bed, you don't ever go in there and hunt that right, right that spot in the morning. That's set up for your ambush coming in. You got to be a little off that to get them coming out of that bedding area for your evening pulse. 
And if I got a, a good betting spot like that, I don't even mess with that deer on, a, on an evening. I let them have, I'm hunting something else on an evening. I'm diving in. That's, that's the most favorite time for me to hunt is a morning sit right up on them betting spots. It's been the most, most productive. So, so I, if we look at a majority of our audience and, and guys out there hunting, they're, they're guys that are working Monday through Friday. And so, you know, Saturday they, they, they're out there hunting. They've hunted the morning post. Now they're doing their scouting midday. When you bump that deer, you're kind of setting that up for that Sunday morning hunt. And Cody, you said something very interesting there. You're, you're saying, okay, if that buck's a, a shooter and you, you don't think he's too boogered, you're going to go try and get him based on where he's essentially ran to and knowing the best yeah. food in the area kind of thing. Like it's almost no, like you get two point. cracks at him. Yeah, for the yeah. evening. Yeah. yeah, evening. The yeah. Evening. I mean, yeah. Like, and, and there's been times where, I mean, I, I, you know, you want to get out there. I, cause I think if you go around and you bust and even if you bump that deer again, way off where you bumped him the first time, it's not going to change the fact that he's coming back to that main spot the next right. day. Yeah. So like, I just like to save that for the next day. I like to make sure that I uh, still feel that there, there's a misc, there's a disconnect from, what we're talking about with this so that bump and dump was all about finding that spot in that bedding area once you found it you got it mm-hmm. he's saying that's the most important thing if you knew where a buck was betting every day i do the same thing i try and get him coming out of there and i know he's there that's his consistent area i get him on the evening mm-hmm. if it don't cooperate i'm the first one to take the gloves off and dive in and get him on that i've got so aggressive now that i love hunting mornings and bedding areas that most of the time, I'm in on all those spots all the time, and I'm on a deer all the time. There's Well, and that brings up a point, too, that I've talked about before. It's not always about, like, you don't have, just because you yeah. find where he's better, you don't have to go hunt him That's there. That's the key. Most, most people, like, even, like, I was hunting out of state with, with a buddy, too, and, like, we did kick up this deer, but I also knew from where this deer was bedded, too, and there was a nice, there was a nice egg field right off the backside with a couple scrapes that lit up. I'm like, well, this deer's coming right here in the evening. I know it. Mm-hmm. And like, like, so I didn't want, I wasn't even going to go, I, I held off a couple of days, like from going in there. Like, yeah, if I knew where he was at, I was keeping that in my back pocket, but like, I knew that deer was going to hit one of those scrapes in the next three days. But now, sure, did you yeah, do any bumping on that or you're just hunting that deer? Cause you know, he's in there. No, back. no, we just, it was an accident. Oh, okay. So I was scouting. I was looking around, poking around this area. Cause I found these scrapes and I found where the deer was bedded and I found right where he was. Mm-hmm. And he was bedded not too far off the field. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, no brainer. Well, aren't you going to go kill him on his bed? You're, you're Mr. Bed Hunter. And I'm like, well, why the fuck <laughs> yeah. would I go kill him on his, like, why would I do that? Like, the reason I found him is because of all this hot sign on this field. So I'm not going to forget about that. And I'm not going to forget how easy it would be to just go sneak in, pop a, a, a stand up on the field edge and shoot that scrape at 20 yards. Like, yep. it's, it, you don't want to overlook shit like that. And here's another big point we missed. I don't know how we missed it, but um, if you start paying attention to moon phase and all that, there are times that buck, and you can, you can follow that, that buck is going to be in his bed before sunup. So now you don't want to go in there and try and, you know, you're going to bump him right in the morning or booger that right then. Wait for the times where they're going to come back in there a little later, and you can slip in and you manipulate that spot. So uh, I did that with a huge buck in Illinois. I watched him from a distance because I was hunting another buck, uh, hanging in that bedding area the whole for three days, never left this little island of uh, brush. He'd get up. He'd feed when the moon phase said he'd be up feeding, but he would not move more than 50 yards. And then all of a sudden, he started moving out more. And then uh, the time that I dove in and got him, it was at like 8 o'clock before he came in. So he's out on the field edges, dove in there, plenty of time uh, but, to set up and, and just another surgical yeah, removal. Now, 
more so strategic. Yeah, I'm just, for, just hunting deer, not really bumping, dumping, but, but right. yeah. Yeah. I agree I, too. Well, you know how I bumped that deer? Hit me. So I'm out scouting on an ATV and I'm going down a, a peninsula where you can't, it's so treacherous you can't get off. I'm driving down and I'm watching this 170 inch freaking plus eight point just watching me on the bike. And now I'm watching him on the bike and I get down and I think, well, I'm going to just bug out of here and loop around. And I know where he's bedded now. And now I'm stuck. I'm like, son of a bitch. I can't get out of here. I got to go back the same damn way that I went. And you know, and I'm going to just do the same thing. I just cruised, kept steady. made like I wasn't, didn't make eye contact and got the hell out of there. That deer never jumped out of there. And then, man, I was so close to him with an ATV. You'd think he would have just busted out of there. Now it wasn't a bump but it kind of was a bump. I know where that buck's at. And I just watched him the whole, as a matter of fact, on the way hunting, I'd, I'd see him from the frickin' roller binoculars um, nice. just set up in there. Nice. Andre, you had mentioned the moon phase. Are, are you referring to the overhead and underfoot times correlating yeah. with sunrise and sunset? Yes. Yep. Okay. I just, I think some of the audience guys, you, you say moon phase, they may not necessarily okay. know. Uh, so the moon movement is position. Let's get this straight because yeah. we, we had this on a, on a couple things. It's irrelevant. The moon position is when the deer are active and moving, but the phases will bring you back later and later. And sometimes the moon movement is in the dark. So now you're kind of screwed that you're, uh, you're not going to see those deer. They're moving after dark. So, um, you know, and go ahead. Yeah. That's what he meant about like, like sunrise and sunset, like when, yeah. the, when those movement times peak there. So, you know, how you'll, you'll sit on a post and uh, the deer will come out and then the next day they come out 20 minutes later. And the next day they come out 20 minutes later and pretty soon there's a full moon and they don't come out. Um, so that's, yeah, it's it definitely a good idea to, to watch the moon phase, especially cause it'll help you. I think the situation in which you're hunting and, and like, like, okay, prime example, if you do find that, that, that bed spot, like now most of the time, like I'm wanting to kick the deer out because I got to stand on my back and I want to set it up. But like with the bike thing, you're like, okay, I just, I know where he's at. Like, but if you were going to go in and get that deer, right? I mean, it's early September, it's October, right? Like he's not, you're probably pretty confident he's going to keep using that spot and it's a full moon. Like it's probably pretty safe to say like you won't be able to beat him to that spot. Like, well, on a full moon, you will be able, because here's what happens on a full moon. The deer move after dark and late and the evenings are horrible. This is, this is before even moon charts, Murray. I've been hunting field edges in big country for years. And, and this is what I've learned. And on those days, your morning hunts are phenomenal late. So it's, uh, you, you follow that around. So this buck that I, I had the opportunity to be able to do this glass on the way out um, and from a road and stuff, that deer held up in that bedding area because it, it just, when it said it would be uh, active, it said bedding area. So he never had to go out to the fields to feed. He never went out to the feed. He stayed there. Now that it, it, it changed and he's going to fields to feed and coming back in the morning to bed, there's your opportunity, man. You got an hour and a half of freaking light before he gets back to his bed. You're set up and you're ready to go. Instead of going there and trying getting him while he's right in there and bumping him off in the dark. Yeah, but that, that, that changes so much. But on situational, it's not like these deer, some of these deer are, are eating right where they're bedding. So that's, like you can't, just, that's what I just said. But, but I'm saying like, like you can't go by just moon on a bedding hunt because like he might be going. There was one buck over uh, here last year that was putting on three quarters of a mile every night like yeah during like, the freaking uh, pre-rut no no it wasn't it was early he, <laughs> let, let let me ask this guys i feel like a lot of these uh, uh questions that we just See. ran through scenarios they're all on kind of oh uh, either accidental or new type property scouting type bumps 
do you guys, if you look at your past doing this on purpose where you're like, I know this deer is in a, is in the area or, or you, you've almost got him figured out, but you need that final piece of the puzzle. Ooh, that, that's all I do. If I run, I'm trying to explain that to you. Yeah. It's not the accidental was an early in my career where I learned about this yeah. by walking in, bumping a deer, walking in again, bumping a deer and constantly bumping in a spot. That was that's how I learned this. Mm-hmm. Now there's no learning. I go in and specifically want to see where that deer's bedded so I can go in and surgically remove them. If I don't know where he's bedded, if you're going to be one of these guys that's going to take a map and say that I think this 180 inch buck is bedded here from what you see in the air, you might as well just freaking rip your tag up right now because you're probably not going to catch up with that deer. If you're planning on hunting him and killing him out of his bed, it's just. It's That's good because I do think, I do think a lot of guys in my shoes, you know, the, the guys looking to evolve, you know, you, you, you read a lot on these beds and, it, and it's a lot of guys saying, oh, well, based on the map, this is where he should be. But, but it, it sounds like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's, it sounds like from coming from the guy who invented this, that's not the route to take. That, that's a, that's a good, I don't know. I, that's a good you know, I know I'm going to get a lot of slack for this. I still can't figure out the, for my life how you can take a map and figure out where a specific big buck is betting and going and killing it. Just, it's, it's beyond me. Um, now, I think map, I think map stuff, when you're focusing on map, you're looking at general travel corridor, general pinch points, good areas that may hold deer. But like, yeah, when you start to get granular, like, mm. and these guys who are picking out a ridge, like, oh yeah, the big one's going to be better right there. You know where the big one is, Byron, late season here when it's really going to ask the winter. See this porch right in back of this farm here? A <laughs> hundred yards from this property, there's 190 inch bucks bedded sometimes on that, on that mound there when the wind's right. So, you know, if you can find that in your map, go ahead and freaking search for it. But I don't know if you'd have looked there. So <laughs> that's good. Well, like you know what said, I think? Was, that buck that I killed last year, Cody had him. He was betting, and there was nothing there—just grass and a freaking CRP between the crop fields. Um, you know, he found that by cameras and going and poking around and, and learning that. Well, okay, so so I think you're you're, you're taking us a, to a cool that. area. I think the audience would would get a, a kick out of you guys telling either the maybe the most recent bump and dump or a cool story related to the bump and dump, and maybe I can ask a question of, well, why did you do this, or tell me more details about X, Y, and Z, because you guys process stuff at such a high level. I think sometimes we got to slow you down a bit. Okay, so a perfect one would be the um, flyer buck. It's your story. Go it's okay. It. So this, this verifies everything that uh, nobody wants to know that, you know, you bump a deer out that he's not coming back. So the flyer buck setup was uh, locating where he bedded by a bump coming back later. I went and set up with a, a foreign rain, got my stand set up. Uh, the, the day that I got in there, he came in and bedded up on this knob, but was just out of range. So now I'm sitting there and what am I going to do? Am I going to sit, until evening and then have him, you know, if he gets up, maybe he'll come within range of me. Or uh, I was blessed that a, a group of dogs were on that deer's trail and they blew him right out of that bed. And you can see it all on video. Okay. So now you got a group of dogs and the, the, the position he came in, everything was right. The dogs were following his trail. They dropped down into a ravine that he came up. He brought his tracks up in a nice steep ravine. As soon as they disappeared down in that ravine, boom, he blows out of there. They get up on the knob, they get to his tracks, and they run them off. So, now, what anybody else would think, that shot's, that spot's shot for tomorrow, right? Yeah, sure. Would you think that? Um, 
several years ago, yes, I would have said those dogs blew okay. that place out. Yeah. The wind was the same the next day. I slid my stand over five yards, and that deer came in that exact bed the exact same way, and he got killed. So can I ask this, Andre? How yeah. did you put yourself in that first stand to see the visual of the dogs? And the, uh, did you know about him in the area? And and how, yeah, I how was this off cut? that knob before? I'm sorry. Say that again. I bumped him off that knob before. That's how I knew he was betting on that knob. Okay, so was the that visual, a day but before, a visual a week sighting before? Got him to that area. Is that what you're saying? What's that? Did you bump him a day before? A week before? Uh, that was that, uh, that, that was a week before. Actually, that buck. Cody was, it was betting in a whole different area two weeks earlier, but that's the spot he started betting because he was going off the property. And that was the first little thickness, thick area that he would start betting. And then he would head off through all open ground, open farm country. Uh, he'd probably be out there all night and then come back to that oasis in bed. Okay. And when you bumped him, you visually saw him realize that's the caliber you're after? Yeah. Oh, no, that was, that was a specific deer. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. You, when you seen I videoed deer, him. Uh, you knew uh, it was that deer. Yeah, you coming it. out of there on a e couple of evening polls. I mean, it's. Okay. Yeah, you didn't miss that one. Um. <laughs> nice. Now, um, I'm trying to think if I've got any questions. Um, so now, if I didn't go poke around, I mean, if I didn't look around, um, or if I spent my time uh, just trying to pick a spot on a map with a. Uh, um, you know, to me, it almost seems like you'd be better off to put that map up on the wall and take a freaking dart and just throw it at it. Or this balloon deal, maybe find a balloon that landed on your yeah. freaking property and go hunt there or something. Andre, was there anything special about the, the killing tree that, that you selected? Um, or, or could it just that it, you, you knew where you needed to be based on, on the dog bump from the day before? Oh yeah. Well, if, I, if he's going back to that same bed, I was just, I'm talking five yards, dude. Oh, okay. Be able to put an arrow on. So I just, there, cause there's some thick stuff there. I just had to slide that over. So if he came back to that spot, I can get an arrow. On. Otherwise I just sit there and watch him again, go to his bed without being able to kill him. Okay. Cody, man. What, uh, what about you? Any, any bump and dump story that you, you can walk our audience through that, that they're going to get some details from? Um, let me see. Okay. So, you know, mine, all right, let me. I'm trying to find a picture. Hey, move that mic a little closer to you. Oh, that Illinois. Sorry, yeah, the, now you're better. Uh, I'm trying to find an example of okay, so I mean, it's not really like I guess a, a bells and whistles story, but it's just come it comes to I'm trying to think of a, a better one, maybe for like setup or something, but um, so I think I think kind of. I know that like the bump and dump and we can't argue the definition because the guy who, who invented it is right here. But I think when people think that bump and dump and more iconic is like, okay, you kill, you kill the next, the next morning or that day. Like, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. If you bump yeah. early, it's yeah, all bump and dump, but yeah, sometimes that's the case. But I think like the, those are the most iconic stories. So like that. Yeah. So that's, I'll choose one of those. Um, this deer. So I knew deer were frequenting this, this certain area of property, you know, so I just, this was a um, early season and just, I, I mean, normally I would sit there, I guess I wouldn't poke around too much like dad's saying, like he's, he's always in there trying to find a deer or whatever. I, I don't think I do that as much because I do think there's a, a chance that I'll run into him before I find that spot. Like if I, if I'm on deer, um, but that wasn't the case. I wasn't seeing anything. So I just started taking a stand in um, 
and every day I'd take the stand down and scout deeper into the, into the woods. And every day I would just like do the same exact thing, sort of kind of like what he was saying about in the big woods, but this is just on a 400 acre piece of property. Like, okay, I, good. I'm I just glad knew you that. Easing in. Yeah. I was just like easing into the, like the heart of the property and just like kept going and kept going. And then I finally, one day, like, uh, it, it was, it only took like three days, but cause I, I would obviously look for better trails or, or better sign or whatever. But then I, you know, as I was easing in, I, I was able to spot, I actually glassed them, which I never used glass a lot. And now I carry it a lot. So I actually like was, I wasn't even really moving a lot, but I was glassing all this open stuff and, and it's like a hedge and shit in there. So it's all low and you can kind of, and I actually seen him and I'm like, Oh man, like that looks like a good buck. And I couldn't really tell what he was, but I knew like I needed that spot. I like, before I even did anything, I pulled up my phone and I looked, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I got my compass there. And I'm like, uh, what's the wind going to do tomorrow? Cause I knew like I needed to hunt that deer tomorrow. Where the hell I, and I'm looking at him and the wind was, um, the wind was switching. Um, the wind was switching that evening, but then it was going to, it was going to be a different direction in the next day. But I, I, I mean, I, I didn't care. Like, I'm just like that. And I don't, I don't usually think about that too much. Like I just, Oh, if it was on like a knob area where that deer could it, better there with anyone direction, yeah. you can make well, it to that knob and, then and this is, -hook in and, and this is open hedge, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent like vested that I don't know what this area looks like anyway yet, but I'm just like, Oh, I'm hunting this. Like I got to kill that deer. He's over there. What's the wind going to be tomorrow? Because I'm going to be hunting this general area. And I need to set a stand. So I pull my stand down and, and then I see we had a rain coming. So I'm like, oh, it's even perfect, right? So then I go in there and I actually run at the deer, like as fast as like, I want, because he had no idea I was there. I just wanted to spook him, get him, get the hell out of there. And he got out of there. And then um, uh, then I was able to just, it's hedge. So you got it. So I, I had to walk back out, go all the way to get my stuff. Cause I didn't have my trim saw on me, come back in, set the stuff. I spent the entire evening messing that place place up and just like i mean that's the it. ultimate bump and dump you just well, yeah you well, uh, bulldozed them out of there <laughs> well i just ran them out and then i started trimming because and it took me three hours to trim that spot because well i guess that's not the the next step so i bumped him out went in there looked at it seen there was a couple beds there he was obviously hanging out here it was on kind of a shelf there so there's this shelf that overlooked this uh um I guess, well, it's all really thick timber in there, but it's just, it's going down to a crop field. And I knew that's where he was probably going out to feed at night or whatever. So he's coming back up. So um, even if you hooked around, I had a really good spot where my wind with the thermals, I needed to get high in the tree from where I was. Cause it's so like rolly in there and, and you get winded very easily. So I knew I had to trim. So I literally went out, took me like an hour to get back into that spot, grabbed a trim saw and probably trimmed till, it was about a half hour before it got dark. Like it was about to get dark. I didn't even hunt that evening and just trim like, like a bunch. So, yeah. and I knew as soon as I got back to the camper, went to sleep, it started, uh, um, it started pouring and I'm like, Oh, this is great. It just washed all my scent away. I literally was back in, in there all over virgin set snuck in there at, at, I mean, you know, we'll just, I'm always running late. It was actually, the sun was actually coming up when I got in there. Um, but I got up in the stand that I set, you know, I always set stands when I'm that close to beds. I always set them to where I have a seated shot and I don't have to move. And I just literally, I tell myself, okay, sit here with your bow on your knee till eight o'clock. <laughs> just because like, there's been times like, and I've learned this through trial and error that I have my bow hanging up. I'm not paying attention. That little bit of movement when they come in, they, they might get a swirl of wind or they might, a lot of times if you don't get a rain, like they're going to know you were there and they're going to smell if you were messing around uh, a lot and trimming stuff. 
So I just always want to be quick and not move. And, and I just sat, I was sitting there and the sun came up and it was about like, I think it was 10 to seven, maybe like it was super early. Okay. He comes come strolling right in. He, I mean, in this area, it wasn't like super ripped up or anything. Cody, like, did you give us a date on this? I can't remember. This was like September 3rd. Oh, wow. I, I, October, sorry, October 3rd. Okay, October 3rd. Okay. <laughs> no, no, early. No, not September. It was October 3rd. So, That's um, early. And like, I think I got to the property, or it was the 4th, because I got to the property. I scouted pretty good the first day. I stayed back, just figured out what fields these deer were frequenting. And then I just started to, I just was like, okay, I'll just slowly, I'll slowly ease back in here. So by day, by day three, I found the spot. And by day four, like uh, I ended up killing deer. So I, I mean, it was just like a, a, a dip more different than I said, I guess it typically happens, but um, yeah. there, there was a, there was a comment on our Facebook and you brought it up there. You know, you got the rain to kind of wash your scent away. Um, and, and the guy was like, are you guys concerned about leaving the ground scent as you're scouting, looking to set the, the bump and dump. If you look at, at some of these no, guys. No, because you're going to be there. You're going to yeah. be there to capitalize on that deer getting killed. Don't, That's why I said don't go out of there a day and yeah. come back because now like, the deer comes back well, to that bed and smells that you were there and, and, and you know maybe doesn't and, come back there for a day or two. And, so. and that's why like if you're not going to hunt it, don't go booger it up and yeah. check it out. Like don't go stomp around it and look around and like look at his track and try and measure it and take a picture of it. and like, Whatever you want to do, just – but if you got a stand on your back and you're about to hunt that, like the next, like, yeah, then go in there, do it. And don't worry because the whole object, the whole point, I think of the iconic bump and dump where you kill them right away is that they get there and before they know anything's up, you harvest them. Yeah. Um, Are you, but it's like, I want, go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you, you said that that deer was like right at sunrise, like clearly, you know, and I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the moon. Like I don't, I, I don't look at the moon yeah. as much as he does. No, he doesn't. And I, I, just because I'm like out there and I'm just trying to hunt, like I, I, now I will look at like those times for the field edge. And if, if it's like a, a prime moon time, like sometimes it, it's, it sways me to go hunt a field edge. Um, like, and I'll let, I'll let that dictate, like, I guess the area I'm hunting. But when it comes to, um, like I, like if the moon, if it's a poor moon and they're not, I'll hunt closer to the bedding area. Just like in, in general. That, that's going to be a whole podcast. Yeah. That's and that, that's a, yeah, that's yeah. a deep dive in content. But I didn't think, I didn't look at the moon or anything. I just knew like, oh man, okay, I'm, I'm here. Like you're I, hunting I, in the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, uh, I, I, I got two kind of questions or follow-ups to, to what we just talked about. One, are you guys killing a lot of these deer bumping up mornings that first hour of daylight? Because, you know, it, 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 those, those bucks, I don't know that if you no. look at the industry, everyone says that these bucks are getting close to their beds and, and they're not traveling a lot, especially in October in the morning that they're getting very close, if not in the, the, the bedding vicinity, um, as daylight's cracking. Are so that's a Justin, the one he killed at seven, eight thirty in the morning, moving around our field edge yet. So I've seen that video. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, that's, um, again, you got to go back to that, uh, uh, when the movement pattern is when they're, it could be as late as 10 in the morning. I'll, I'll sit sometimes and not see something if that moon phase is later. Some of them deer crawl back in them beds really late if it starts yeah. getting toward a, you know, uh, pre-rut where they're poking around a little more than they're, you know, yeah. that's uh, spending a, more time. So That's a good point, too, because there's been, there's been a lot. I'm sure this has happened to me, I mean, dozens of times, but there was actually, there's been, I can, there's three times I can specifically think of where a buck that I would have killed like that I was setting up on his bed, I, I'm, I'm getting out of there at nine o'clock and he comes strolling in and I'm like, Oh, 
And everybody's like, and anybody told, why the hell are you getting down at nine o'clock? I just dude, can't sit there. We're weak. So <laughs> it's, we, we it, leave at prime time and shit, you know? But there's been, I mean, there's been that time where I literally had to stand on my back and I had my bow in my hand and I'm just like, okay, where should I go? And I like turned my shoulder and there's a buck looking right at, and I'm like, oh, oh fuck. I'm just like, minutes later, you'd have had uh, Yeah, if it would have been 15 minutes Let me ask later, you this, Byron, from hearing just the conversation we had right now, do you have any idea or concept how to go after a deer and bump a dump next year? Oh what yeah, and, and and I have I have tried it. Um, and you're gonna and do it failed. during the rut. You're gonna do it early. Early. You're gonna do a late season. You're gonna try it all of them. Um, I would say early. Um, just because if I look at my my bow hunting, like I, I have some good historic rut spots. I understand doe bedding pretty good, but like, mm -hmm. you know, for for me that that early half of October, I think that's the biggest tell. Oh, piece you know to the puzzle that i can i can work with is is doing these in-season scouting potentially jumping deer i attempted it last year but you know that I, running I was, after them though somebody's gonna catch you that running after them deer somebody's gonna catch you on video doing that it's gonna be very embarrassing for you on well but too. what happens if i run after them see a no, shooter and then I, they're no. in the back of my tailgate because i yeah, pulled it off the next day no mm -hmm. no I'm, I'm i've done the same thing the worst thing in the world is a jump a buck that you hear the rack is going and then not getting an idea or a look at what it was. Cause now it's like, eh, you know, was it just a 150 or was it, you know, 180, you know, you don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, yeah, you can, it doesn't know. I mean, there's been a lot of times too that, you know, it, everything. Works I out tried fine, to get uh, for, uh, for this not a shooter. last year, I took my uh, game camera, I put it on a stick and I was actually going to try early to try and get um, a couple bucks where I would jump them. So you could, you know, get a video of them running off yeah. and then come back uh and and maybe set up and uh, the two times that i did it i could i could only hear it i couldn't get it was you know thick enough that they they got out of there and got through but i knew two bucks are better now early just didn't know what caliber they were you know so yeah um i saw a pretty good question i think this comes from the guys trying to get better as hunters they said uh if you bump deer in the off season how much do you put do you put any stock to 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 that being the piece of information as far as okay shooter jumped off this bed summer winter whatever i'm gonna try and kill him there you know again or is there just so much that, that can change yeah. you know that's what like I cody say, said you know that, that even two weeks could be almost a lifetime in a white tills uh, uh -huh. well you know, i just you know? i just know when i used to work um on the dock i like i had off um i'd leave thursdays and i'd, I'd head out to my hunting property and i'd be able to, that's all i could hunt with friday saturday sunday and every time i'd get down there i feel like and this was earlier on years ago i'd get there and right when I found out what was going on and I felt like I was starting to be dangerous, I'd have to leave. And then I have to do the same thing every weekend. Like I'd almost have to relearn what was going on. I mean, yeah, everybody I, did that for years ago. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But I, but I, I don't know, like it, and I guess it was, it's not a giant piece of property and you're not having to like, but when you're trying to get granular and kill a deer at 15 yards, yeah. like shit does. So change. early them deer are under food sources betting, right? A lot of times they're right in the, well, Alan had one he was watching right up to the beginning of the season that was literally bedding and a monster deer in a bean field. No yeah. timber anywhere. Every day he just glassed it. It would step up in a bean field. He'd be there and be milling around. Now that deer ain't staying there when the crops start changing, the leaves falling, he slid back into the timber. Now you got to go relocate him. So, um, you know, there is, but once they find those good spots, it seems like especially October they're a solid spot. Um, really, really could be manipulated on those spots to hunt them. And, and I know a lot of guys, I can just hear them or thinking now, and I think the same thing. You know, you got to remember, we got some pretty big pieces of property. Uh, we can run and hunt deer in this corner that aren't even akin to the deer in this corner here. 
if you got yourself a 20 acre piece, you could have did your bumping already. You know where your buck's bet already. You don't need to be messing around with that anymore. You already got it figured out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, that's then, where and then you just got to hope the day that you go in, that buck is in there. Yeah. Um, to, I, I know we're getting late in the game here, but um, what about, uh, could you guys point out maybe a couple things that you think that, that people get wrong as far as guys that uh, all are trying to evolve and try this tactic, but you know, they, they mess up a few times and it seems to be these trends. Do you, do you have some, some bullet points? I, I think it was interesting. You said it's not necessarily about a single bed. Um, that's not necessarily the, the main. Well, like he somewhere. said, okay, uh, this is some pretty aggressive stuff. This is, you know, uh, I don't know if your average guy is going to be able to really delve deep in that, but like he was talking about, we have bucks. We know a buck's betting. It comes out of a certain, you know, maybe a funnel or some tight spot or it crawls up out of a fricking bluff and comes out to the field a certain way. We have no idea what cliff or where that deer is betting, but we know it's just over the hill betting. We just leave that alone. And on an evening hunt, you know where he's coming out of and you manipulate the spot. You can't even dive in that spot to get him in the morning. I went and looked at a spot when we were shed hunting this morning where these deer normally come to. I just want to see what's going on back there that these deer are all betting. Yeah. I'm telling you that these are billy goats. Yeah. The ed yeah. ledges are on. There is no way you are going to be there. There's no trees. They're on literally rock croppings. Uh, and it's almost impossible to get in a, in, a spot like that. Into whereas, like, okay, there's a smart play. Like, we both know what that looks like back there. We're not going to go. Yeah, now we don't start. Pushing, yeah, we know they're there. Here out there. Oh. Yeah. And and I think people get so obsessed where they overlook. They overlook. Oh, that deer can be killed on this food source. Yeah. Like, and they're so obsessed with getting in there, and they think they have to find this bed, and they have to find or you know, and, and they might and and actually, in that um, the easy. Oh, go ahead. No, you keep going. No, you go. Say no. okay. The easiest yeah. thing I think a guy to start out with doing a little bump and a dump would be during the rut, I think. Especially on you guys on private ground, all the guys, the chaos and shit. When a deer goes in the, them does go in the heat and the, and the buck's on those, it, I don't care if there's 100 guys in that woodlot. That guy, that buck is going with that doe. You're talking about public ground? Yeah, private? I'm talking about any high pressure. Any, any. Oh, I yeah. thought you said private, so I didn't know if you were Oh, uh, no, like public, private, anything where uh, the shit's hitting the fan. Get out, scout, read the red hot sign, and go set up. And you'll bump deer, and you're not going to bump them out there. If there's a doe in heat in there, that, that buck's staying with, uh, with that doe, and it don't give a yeah. shit if you're there. Yeah, so I think there's two things probably, like with them saying that. I think one is people are afraid to bump deer still, even after hearing this concept. But then also, people bump the hell out of deer way too much, and they try and get too caught up in it. Like, Why would you do that? Well, that, that's, I know. I mean, it's, just... it's, it's one of those things, right? It's, it sounds like irreason or irrational, but that's where I think people are, they still don't, they, oh no, I can't, you know, or I'm only on this, like the sanctuary. Yeah. Or, stay out it's just, it. I don't know. I mean, I, I stay out of the sanctuary until you, you but, don't cooperate. And but then also, you know what the sanctuary looks yeah. like. You've seen it. Yeah. You, you've been to the, to the sanctuary. Right. Some of these people don't even have any clue what's going on on there. Even 40 acres. And then there, so that's where it becomes, I think, I guess, a little dangerous. Yeah. And, and that's just a person different in a different and you know, point of, of hunting. Byron, a guy that's just getting going yeah. and hunting a few weekends out of a year, he hasn't seen what we've seen. I, I, I used to hunt that public hunting ground. I used to hate it when the grouse hunters would come out and they'd be running around all morning and shit and uh, we're trying to white to hunt. I would literally watch in open hardwoods and I couldn't even believe what I was seeing. I would watch two guys with their shotguns with their dog out in front of them 
and these huge bucks would jump up and they wouldn't even run off. They would stay literally out in front of the direction those people were hunting. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this from afar, seeing it. They're not seeing it because they're down low in the thick. And then all of a sudden that buck would do a half moon around, let them walk on by and just nonchalantly head back to where it was bedding. And they didn't even give a shit about if, those guys and those dogs. They'd run circles around you, you know? So, and if you're hunting close to bedding areas and like, it's the same thing like, I think you mentioned before with predators, but you, you, you watch these deer, you see what they do. Like when there's a potential threat or danger, like they're not always going crazy and bugging out. Like you said that they'll stand, they might, sometimes they don't even stand up. Where was your goal? If somebody just chased you out of your freaking bed and shit, would you go uh, well, where I, he's I headed think, or where I he just was gone? And he's out of there now. I'm not coming back. I know? think it's more important too, that like, well, would you really leave if it wasn't an immediate threat? And yeah. I think like, that's like, and you gotta remember those coyotes a lot of time are looking for a, a wounded deer or something that's, not all that healthy. So these healthy deer that run off in there, the coyotes ain't getting them. They just shag them a little bit, and then bucks go right back to their bed and um, just settle in. Okay. Um, I've just seen t- too much of it that um, it's, you know, and my, I believe what my eyes, I've always believed what my eyes see, um, never what I, I hear from other people or, or concerts than that. So, Any other kind of final thoughts for, for guys? I, I know we went through a lot of the Facebook questions, a lot of the concerns of – from Jay hooks to ground scent. I think this was a pretty decent one-on-one bump and dump course. Obviously it's probably going to come down to, to just attempting it a lot, you know, and, and learning well, from, from guys. Yeah. You're going to learn. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, what did this, the, the Jay hook now you're talking about, um, would that, did that concept come from what I used to talk about years ago for like doing a two man, uh, two man drives where you kick a deer up, it heads off with its uh, nose into the wind, and then it does a, the loop back around. Is that I where have, that terminology yeah, came from? Because I, I got a product right now that's called a J-hook, too. I don't know where this came from. So, <laughs> I, You laugh. If you look up bump and dump or, or deer bedding talks on all the forums, you, mm-hmm. you definitely hear a lot about guys talking about that J-hook entry into the beds yeah. um, where they, do, where they you know, leave that, that trail that they can visually watch, and it sets them up for, for – Oh, wind over their back, but they're also right. seeing their entry trail for those yeah. predators. I didn't know they were calling it the J-hook, so we probably Yeah, no, that's that's a fairly common, I feel like, term on the uh, the interwebs and, and some of those forum groups. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, anything else as far as a, a manufacturing update that we should let the people know about? Um, the, the Mobile Hunters United page, obviously, we want to see people interacting there. Um, Whitetail Addictions, we're heavy into that going every Thursday. Awesome. You know, enjoying the shows. Um, no, that yeah, that's uh. So you want to start with anything manufacturing or? Yeah. So um, for all of you that have current orders or have recently placed an order, I mean, good news. We are fully. Um, our new manufacturing facility is in full production. Uh, the cut. Um, I guess the outline of what's going on right now is they're currently um, cutting 1.0s. And we'll begin to assemble and ship as soon as the the first run batch of those is done. Immediately after is going to be. Yeah, I'm actually heading out this week uh, for a week, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be right there for this the starters production. Yeah. So Monday through next week, 1.0s will be in, being built and shipped. Uh, then I think they're gonna we we pick up. Andre Decuso. No, yeah. Yeah. So if you good, get good, one of the good for a good buck, anyone if, that's assembled. If by you me, get so. one of these first stands, odds are it was assembled by him. Yeah. Um, what about something's wrong? <laughs> something's wrong. So. Then after, I didn't, I didn't hear you, Byron. Um, but after the 1.0s is the uh, going straight to the climbing sticks, 
Um, we wanted to get those done right away. There's a lot of people who have been waiting for those. We apologize for the, the severe delay, but you will not be disappointed in your, your stand purchase. Um, I know we did have a little rough road and we had some people. Oh, stuff like jewelry now. It's, it's well, yeah, we had some people that were, you know, um, a little touch with the, the cut marks and the, the actual and too, you know, process just, and yeah. which was happening with the, with the material when it was being cut out by the water jet. Well, now it's going through an extensive finishing process that everything is extremely smooth and, and these things are very rich looking. There's yeah, we got a new look, you know. Yes, a new they look. do. It's the it's yeah. the the hammered titanium finish. So blends in everywhere. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome um, in the timber, man. It's got that dull kind of. It's weird. It's like a gray green brown. Like it's it's, it's but. It's, See, I always, I think it picks up any color you're next to, but he well, thinks I'm nuts. Um, no, I mean, well, and that does anything that I think is three-dimensional that you can see through, but this does have a certain, yeah, yeah it does have a certain hue to the material that definitely if you have shadows of a bark coming up oh, through it, killer. it's going to pick up those tones of that bark. Like if you set it on something dark, I mean, that happens, I think, with just the nature of see-through, but, or like a, a erratic pattern, but. And it's set up for if a guy's going to paint it, right? If he wants to paint it, go ahead. Use that color as a base coat. Put some camo on there or put a little soft touch around the edge. Customize it. That's what everybody's doing now. Customize your own stand, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm um, thinking things yeah, are so couple, sexy, although this hunt the way it is. So. Yeah, a couple, a couple new um, additions would be the uh, engraving and the actual traction. The, the platforms have traction yep. in them now. It's pretty, we used it's to pretty paint, cool. They're very we used clean. to paint it on, put uh, metal... Um, um, metal uh, granule things in there for traction on there so that the, the, the traction was literally uh, added on instead of built in and now it's it's yeah. built in the stand so it's um essentially a lot more built-in quality yeah. than, than nice. and that was a, a reason for not going with paint so that didn't get filled in so now it's a nice you almost got like a rough finish from the peened hammer for traction and then you got the a little more aggressive uh lugs and then you got the whole pocket so it's uh it's 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 phenomenal um nice. yeah so so i mean as of right now everything is just uh, in that line 1.0 is sticks that's when and then soon right after that is the 0.5 um 0.5 is gonna be huge and i i think i missed the boat on it. you are right on it i think it is gonna be a huge hit so um just the way it's designed we designed it so it's almost you get pretty close to having almost the same standing room if you're going to stand on it and hunt as, as on the 1.0. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's definitely uh, optimized for standing room. And I think the best thing about this light, is it's going to go, it's going to go wild with, uh, with the saddle hunting community. Cause I think there's yeah. going to be a lot of these people who have been saddle hunting for a while who have, have, have been realizing that they're missing that advantage or that, that of, of being able to hunt in a tree stand style. Um, you can saddle hunt and then it's, Plop down for a little bit if you want. You got yeah, a small you, seat. You could, that's not a real, you know, yeah. it's not an all-day sitter, but it's. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think that'll be um, that'll go over really well. All right. Well, I think that's all the the major housekeeping okay. items. Cody, you want to uh, take us to the exit here? So if you have a product order, be patient. We're working on it, and we will get it out to you as soon as we can. Follow us on social media. Be sure to yes. check out the latest episode of Whitetail Addictions, and then by all means, Join. get over to that forum group mobile hunters united yeah. guys thanks for listening